I will ask the Father, and he will send you another advocate. I once heard a story about a young priest who was invited to give a talk at a prison. Now, this priest had never been in a prison before. He'd never given a talk there. But he wanted to say yes, and he did, because of Matthew 25. When I was in prison, you visited me. And here came the invitation. So he prayed to the Holy Spirit about what he should talk to these guys about. And nothing came. Some days went by. It was still just crickets. I've, I've been in that spot. And then the day for the event came. And he's beginning to panic. So he's there. And it's his turn to go up on the stage. So he starts to go up the steps. And he trips on the step right at the top. And he falls down. And if that's not bad enough, he slides down the stairs. The prisoners broke out in tremendous laughter. <laughs> oh, my gosh. And there he is laying down there, humiliated. No doubt one of the top five embarrassing moments in his life. And then all of a sudden, and it was a surprise to him and the prisoners, he bounced up, ran up the steps laughing, and pumped his fist at the pulpit. Well, everybody got quiet because they were like, what? What kind of a priest is this? He's, this is a crazy man. And this is the way he started out. You know what that ridiculous fall that just happened there? I could never find the words to express better what that fall dramatizes. Sooner or later, all of us are going to have a time when we fall flat on our face. I don't care who you are. I don't care if you're a prisoner. I don't care if you're a priest. I don't care if you're the president of the United States or the Pope. Everyone has some time when we fall flat on our face. But you know, that doesn't matter whether it's my fault or not. What matters is what happens next. What do I do next? Do I get up? Because that's a power that no one in the world can take away from me. No one can stop me and keep me on the ground. I always have the power to get up. The only one who could stop me from getting up is myself. And then he began to talk about Jesus and the falls in Jesus' life. You know, in the traditional stations of the cross, there's three times that Jesus falls. Now, it's not actually in Scripture that it says that he fell even once, let alone three times. But you kind of like have common sense to tell you he must have fallen. After what he's experienced already, the brutal arrest, the night in the pit, the whippings, the crown of thorns. He must have been exhausted. He must have fallen along the way. Here's one I'd like to point out to you here. This is from our Stations of the Cross here at St. Brendan's. This is the ninth station. You can see how Jesus is totally wiped out. 
You can see it in his shoulders. And look at his hands on the ground. He can barely go on. And then look at his face. His eyes are closed. You can see how sad his face is. How lonely he is at that moment. And the falls of Jesus in the Stations of the Cross are symbolic for the falls that happened during his lifetime. When he went back home, these are his family, his neighbors, people he grew up with. And at the beginning, they listened, but then as he spoke the truth, they turned on him. They are about to hurl him off the cliff. That was a close one. It looks like a failure, doesn't it? And then when he was preaching about the Eucharist, unless you eat my body and drink my blood, you have no life in you. My body, my blood is eternal life. And even some of his own disciples left. What looks like another failure. The whole situation of the crucifix really is a failure. You know the early Christians? You know what they had to deal with? When they talked about the Messiah, they were ridiculed. People said to them, how can we believe in your Messiah? He died on a cross. You talk to us about miracles. You ask us to believe in the resurrection. He died a horrible death of the crucifixion of all things. That's not power. That's weakness. They had to struggle with that. Were some of them at first embarrassed by the fact that the master died such a horrible death? Why could he not have stopped that from happening? So these are these moments in, our, in, in his life. They happen in ours too. Now we're not likely to put our failures on our resume. We don't do that, right? I was talking to a dad once who's, uh, I think his son was in like an eighth grade. And you know, he was a great parent. I could tell that. He was so involved in his son's life. And like a lot of parents today, he wants his children to, to succeed. And he doesn't want them to fail. He doesn't want them to fall down. Sometimes parents become overprotective to make sure they don't fall down. They rescue them. And I was explaining to him about what can happen, what we can learn from our mistakes our times that we fall down. And I could see the light went on in his eyes like he had not thought about that before. Yeah, we're not used to doing that. It happened to Paul, too. When he went to Athens, this is the great intellectual center. And you see his uh, part of his homily, his speech, in the Acts of the Apostles. He doesn't mention the crucifixion. He sees a plaque under an altar that says, to the unknown God, and he tries to persuade them that the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob is that God. There are no other gods. And he talks about what God wants to give them in their life. And then he mentions the resurrection. And they scoff at him. There are a few of them, you can almost imagine, they got their, their noses turned up and they're, well, that's interesting. We'll hear you about this sometime in the future again. That probably hurt the most. And you can tell in the letters of Paul that this bothered him. This was a failure. And he had to search his soul deeply. And when he came forth with that, 
the Holy Spirit inspired, he said, I boast in the cross of Jesus Christ. It's in that apparent failure that Jesus redeemed the world and he brought us the gift of eternal life. When you think about your own life, maybe sometimes we don't think about our failures and we just want to move on. Let me just think about the things I've done right. But we may miss the coming of the Spirit in those moments, like it was for that new priest. He couldn't find the words to say because the Spirit was waiting for that fall to happen. Because that's what the Spirit wanted to tell those prisoners that day, to give them hope, to realize that Christ was their answer in their way, and he understands them. To give you one example of that, I, I can't ask you to do it if I'm not going to do it myself. When I was a deacon, I was right here in Clearwater. I had to do a lot of hospital ministry, and I just did not feel like I was very good at being present to people or consoling them. I really thought I was failing. I thought I was falling day after day. And there was a priest with us who was gifted in this. And I went to him one day and I said, Father, I just don't think I'm very good at this. Now, I expected him. I was, I was hoping he was going to say something like, well, you're just starting out. You're young. You, you got to learn these things. You know what he told me? He said to me, well, maybe that's not your gift. Well, that was devastating. I, I felt so low the next day. I was just ordained a deacon and I'm ready. I'm miserably failing. Because if you can't be in a hospital and be compassionate with people, that's a whole big section of being a priest. I felt so low. And then the advocate came. The spirit. It came like out of nowhere. It was an enlightenment. It was an inspiration, and it fortified me. The thought came into my mind that I'm trying to be something, somebody's expectation of what a deacon is supposed to be, and there's no way I can live up to that expectation. And what the Spirit put in my heart is that God called me, Mike Moore, to be his deacon. And all I need to do is let the Spirit and the risen Lord guide me to be the best person I can be, that he created me to be, and I'll be the deacon he meant me to be. It was a fall, but the Spirit helped me get up again. It was a great weight lifted off my shoulders. I felt so free. The reason I'm telling this story is as I've listened to people over the decades, the essence of this story is very common. And so Jesus says, I will ask the Father, and he will send you another advocate, and he will enlighten you, and he will inspire you, and he will fortify you. You know, when that young priest finished his talk, the prisoners gave him a standing ovation. If you found this episode helpful, please share it with someone you know. God bless you. If you'd like to subscribe to the Seeds of Hope Reflections, 
Just search Seeds of Hope with Father Mike where you get your podcasts.